Alright, welcome back to Fruitball Weekly. This week, bringing you two expertly crafted B-movies in the form of the new entry to the MCU, Robot Ninja, and the newest serial killer on the streets, Killer Sofa. I'm Ramra, joined again by my co-host Kitchen. That's me. And driving straight in is Robot Ninja. <laughs> and that <laughs> film really does start off just... Not even really guns blazing, but it's it's such a weird start to the film. And it's, he's neither robot nor ninja. He is just your humble comic book artiste. So the film opens up on what looks like it's actually going to be uh, a film about said robot ninja. Um, accompanied by all your classic comic book sound effects. You got your bams, you got your whams, your oofs. Um, you got the... What I took note of was the uh, the robots were like the whirring every time he moved, <laughs> like his head. It just go like. Um, we open up full tilt in the middle of one of Robot Ninja's outings, attacking criminals and saving the the lady. That's yeah. I mean, he just straight up jumps in there, just starts slashing people up. They're like, get get get, get him, G- guys! It's <laughs> it's the Robot Ninja. Just when you become invested in the first five high-octane parts of the movie, you realise they're actually just watching the Robot Ninja B movie. <laughs> they're, 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 that's right. They're the TV watching adaption their... of, of the comic book. <laughs> oh, they're watching their own in-universe Robot Ninja B movie. <laughs> oh my god. Fucking hell, this turns out to be much more of a high-concept film than I originally thought. Yeah, it opens right up with that meta, that, <laughs> that meta part right there. Uh, just them being like, this this comic book adaptation film is going to make it big on the box office. It's going to be the next Batman. The next Batman. Um, this movie is 1989, so was it like Batman? Which Batman was that? Um, it was... Beyond? No, I mean, they mentioned the Dark Knight. Batman blah, Begins? Blah. Uh, actually, it might have been, yeah. It might be Batman Begins. Batman Begins, with the Bat Wallet. The Bat Wallet. Or the Bat Credit oh Card, God. whatever it was. God, but the fact that they keep like resp- like referencing Robot Ninja, quote-unquote, being just like Batman. The new I'm Batman, like, yeah. I'm like, eh, maybe maybe the uh, f- the show that you're currently watching might be. But I can tell you right now that the Robot Ninja we get is, um, <laughs> oh, it is as far away from Batman as you can get. Like, if you beat Batman's brains in with a pipe and whatever the leftover is, that's what we get. <laughs> the author of the story is not happy with the shitty B-movie TV adaptation of his comic book. No, he is not. He, he is fucking infuriated. And um, he, he decides himself that he will no longer support the TV adaptation and will go off and continue creating the comic in his own artistic style, to the dismay of the TV execs. Yeah, and the way he does it is, of course, the only way to truly create the best comic book stories is just to become your comic book hero. Like, if you just become Batman, you can make the Batman stories. So he was like, if I just become the robot ninja, then it'll be my life story. Much like Batman and other superheroes, he does have a sad past. His sad past happened about 10 minutes before he decided to become Robot Ninja. (laughs) (laughs) Where he was told that he can't make his comic anymore, which he refused. (laughs) And then ends up accidentally running into a double rape situation and almost dying. Like 10 minutes or 
maybe even well actually it has to be 10 or 20 minutes because the fucking intro takes up five minutes of this film yeah it's about <laughs> four or five minutes of just comic book flip pasts you know it's oh, just transition oh transition of comic pages and panels and you you see all these panels again after the intro as the next few scenes play out so they keep getting referenced again and again it's, it's too fucking long it's, it's way so long. too long yeah just skip to the first five oh, actually watch the small part as soon as the intro starts skip four minutes ahead god There's no <laughs> point in credits that long all support to the creators credits are fine just watch the end credits <laughs> Don't yeah. watch this intro. Intro. If this showed in the cinema, I wouldn't be surprised if people were walking out or falling asleep by this point. No, I mean, people complain about the Marvel intro now taking too long. Yeah. This, like, quadruples the amount of time <laughs> that the Marvel intro takes. And this is just on, like an hour, hour and a half film. Yeah, four or five minutes just full of nobodies as well. Oh my god. It's not, it's... Robot Ninja isn't part of some huge franchise or known series. It's just, just on its just own. Thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's just this one you have Five minutes to introduce the entire cast and everyone who worked on it. It's like five minutes of intro, then it's like three minutes of him being pissy that creative rights exist. Yeah. And then it's two minutes, then it just cuts straight to this lovely couple that then gets kidnapped <laughs> by. A badly edited turnaround van kidnapping, <laughs> in <Yeah>. which it's <laughs> it's so bad. They they kidnap the woman. There's this criminal gang in like hell bent on rape and murder, and then the guy just seems you know dumbfounded. The guy who just went out with his girlfriend seems dumbfounded when she gets taken away, and in the confusion, he somehow <laughs> the van somehow loops back around and he jumps in it. <laughs> oh my god! With the way that shot, I was like. It's like, that's, oh, so there's going to be two rival gangs. No, it's the same fucking van. It's the same van, yeah. It, it like, instant transmissions back to the same spot and just goes, come here, fella. You're coming <laughs> with me. Props to the movie makers, though. The the main villain is a woman. A butch lesbian-looking woman. But there's a woman. That's and right. It's a rapist of men. It's very, very nice for them to have done that in a movie. Props to them. Very forward thinking back in 1989, <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the weird comic book intro thing was fairly new then as well, I would, I would imagine. Probably trying to... I wouldn't be surprised if this was trying to capitalise on maybe the resurgence of comic books and, like, comic book media. Maybe people probably thought of picking up Robot Ninja being like, Oh, man, I can't wait to read this actual comic book series. Doesn't oh, exist. God. So you think, it's, you think it's one of those, like, cash grabs? Like, uh, what is it, like, uh, vehicles for cars or something like that, like the mini car for the cars series. And, and the, the, the bulk. And the bulk for the... <laughs> it, it definitely doesn't feel like that, though. It does feel like its own thing, just very poor. Yeah, like, it, it does feel like it's obviously trying to make a statement about how, I guess, some comic book writers' stuff gets taken for their own, like, uh, creative right liberties. And, like, when it's over in media's hands, it can be sort of adapted in a way that does and does not work for many people. Yeah. Yeah, the true artist vision can't be represented in in that media. And because they have creative rights over it rather than the original author, they twist and change the story to become something different from the original artistic vision of the original author. And it, it, does, it does seem to show that in this movie. It, it does seem to outwardly state it. There's one part when they're on the phone where the exec's like, oh artists and then and the main character puts the phone down who is an artist and goes oh producers or something or like tv like, executives 
<laughs> Which is a bit oh of comedy, a bit of lighthearted comedy in the beginning. Like, the message isn't that big, but in a way, I guess it holds more... It probably holds more weight now than it does back in 1989. Yeah, Because yeah. the comic book movie scene now is just a huge fucking boom with, like, most anticipated films being either the great stuff that is the Marvel films or the trash B-movie quality that is the DC films. Yeah. And I'm going to stick by that, and anyone that wants to fight me can do. Well, well I mean, <laughs> DC is better, but Marvel does have the better movies, 100%. DC animated movies are very good. Uh, honestly, they are better. Yeah. But it's it's just like this... It doesn't even happen long in the film. It's like the first 20 minutes, they just drop it after that. It's like he gets pissy at the producer. The producer's like, I can't believe I get to work with these creative types. And then he's like, random scientist inventor friend yeah dr good good night dr good night i couldn't pin his accent either (laughs) i don't know what he was supposed to be nah at first i thought maybe german yeah but then i was like it sounds to me like they actually just got a probably an american or an english speaker and just went just do an accent just do an accent. Forget that. I think they just invited one of their dads onto the set. He did a funny accent, and I thought, yeah, that did. <laughs> don't, don't be like, that's perfect. He ended up being one of the best characters as well. To be fair, yeah. I mean, he's the only one with, like, actual sense, and yeah. isn't a complete, either weakling or douchebag. Yeah, what you say makes sense. He's an inventor, and his <laughs> invention of the suit... <laughs> Yeah, that's he, true. What what does he put into this suit that's an amazing invention of the time? Uh, I think he puts, like, a steel plate in it. Like, he makes a cool visor. No, it's not. It's definitely not steel. Oh, he puts the voice changer That's it, in a it. voice modulator, yeah, so he sounds like a robot. <laughs> that's it. The dude's just in a suit with a buzzsaw arm. Like, you know, a buzzsaw blade <laughs> cut in half as his blades. A metal welder's mask, and it's just a voice modulator on the inside. You know what, though? Props for being the two uh, probably first cosplayers slash cosplay (laughs) designers, though. I'm sure it's been around uh, for a long time, it just (laughs) didn't really have a term. Another thing that I will give this film, though, um, which is that it does not skimp out on the overuse of blood, giblets, Bitch just fucking flying off people for the sake of being fun. Noodles. <laughs> Noodles. That's, to be fair, that vomit thing was the, just the <laughs> most out-of-place shit I've ever seen. <laughs> Not even that. There's a, there's a scene where he's doing the weird hallucination thing, where everybody turns into devils. <laughs> and for some reason, each one of them had some red noodles coming out of them. <laughs> but yeah, oh practical effects um, feature heavily in this movie. It was. I think it was definitely something that they were putting a ton of time and effort in instead of the characters yeah. or the story or anything. Um, practical yeah. effects is definitely the number one on the list of their priorities, from what I can see. I mean, it goes straight from the attempted rape to him nonchalantly being like, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna attack you, friend." Oh, oh shit! And then the guy just as the one woman's running away because she managed to get free. He just fucking text the gun. Bang! First shot, mouth hole. Massive mouth hole, yeah. Fucking second shot, stomach open. And then, and then a th- third shot blows her arm completely off, and I'm like, oh, oh, oh. Robot Ninja is not going to be able to put that back together. And how does the main character deal with this trauma? Well, when he first sees it, his reaction tells, tells all. Seems like it's a, <laughs> it was an inconvenience on his day. It's like, oh, oh shit. <laughs> Where'd you go die? Oh, God. 
And the, the day after, or however long after, 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 you know, he's been patched up and his friends have seen him, the, fir- the first thing that comes out of his mouth, or one of the first things is, ah, oh, this would make a great comic story. <laughs> can't, can't wait to write about my near-death experience by the hands of rapists. And when I saw this fucking woman literally get um, disintegrated in front of my fucking eyes, what a great story. Oh my god. That scene and not being able to have his own creative license over his own, you know, comic yeah, story yeah. and wanting to get his own back on the TV execs to make the real make the real story of Robot Ninja um causes him to descend slowly into insanity and and pay for a robot ninja suit. So he, go, he goes to his infre- inventor friend Dr. Goodnight and gets a suit made. Like that is like the plot is ten minutes of the film and then yeah. fifty minutes of this film is a terrible, shitty cosplayer getting his ass beat for 50 minutes, and then he gets probably a best-selling comic book adaptation out of it at the end of it, probably, because it apparently will sell better than The Dark Knight, quote-unquote, by the film. (laughs) So... Yeah, it's nice to get revenge on them, doesn't he? He does. He gets revenge on the rapists. But in doing so, because he is a complete numpty, just makes things worse at every step. Makes everything worse. A kid got pushed over and died because of him. Yeah, that was a truly unique death. That was <laughs> <laughs> a slight breeze knocks him over and he's dead. <laughs> just just hits the floor like a plank of wood and just dies. While everyone else is getting stabbed through the face, having that limbs cut off and sliced through. So no, just they survive that. Oh my kid god! Kid falls just over. Doesn't... He's dead now. Just the gentlest of fart. Just knocked him right over and he just died. Oh yeah, Where you said that you, you think that you see it as a commentary on like yeah. an artist's licensed freedom of creation and owning their own IPs. I also see a bit of um, support for the police in this, or rather um, against vigilantism. I see a sort yeah. of comment against that. Because at every step, the vigilante comic insane guy, robot ninja man, fails. He, he's smart enough to write a comic before he goes out to these uh, crime scenes and to catch these criminals. And it accurately tells everything that should have happened. But he's so incompetent. Even though he's planned it in advance like Batman and knows exactly how it's going to play out, he still fucks up. He still fucks up. Until the very end, where he says, all is planned or something. It all went according to plans. In his last dying breaths. <laughs> then he, fucking, he just blows his brains just out. blows his brains out. I think the biggest scene that does stand out, though, is clearly the 10 to 20 minute scene of self-surgery, which yeah. just goes on for way too long. So on, on before the surgery part happens, he's in another confrontation with the only two gang thugs that exist, or at least the two thug leaders that exist anyway and he gets his fucking hand mashed up he has like a magnum shot that takes a chunk out of his shoulder and his leg gets stabbed repeatedly beaten is like his mask is like caved in i mean he doesn't die i mean he's he's apparently got superpowers well he has been taking these weird undescript drugs this entire time that he stole Ah, from dr goodnight he's been pill popping every night that's right the having some weird side effects (laughs) The pills of undying truly did yeah. work that day. <laughs> Probably just like caffeine and pain, pill, pain pills or something. Probably. But due to that confrontation, he fucking he ends up going to surgery and then just fucking he just jams his fingers in his wrist hole. He just jams them right in there, spreading it open, and it's like 
that's not going to make your injury better. It's not going to fix it. Jamming fingers in your weird wrist hole isn't going to make did things you notice better. The, uh, did you notice the sound effects? Uh, you know what? To be there fair, was one sound effect. There was one sound effect that sounded like somebody slurping on a straw. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I think I'm doing all the surgery, and in the background, just hear. <laughs> 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 but yeah, that 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 scene's awkwardness is only surpassed by the fact. Oh, sorry, that scene's length is only surpassed by the fact of how awkward the scene was. Oh my god, it, it was incredibly awkward to watch in a positive way. Yeah, in a in a positive way, because it just goes, it just goes on so long of him just jamming metal and piping into his wrist. He then spreads open his leg wound and just grabs the biggest sheet of metal that's even bigger than the wound. He just yeah, it's massive. (laughs) Just fucking jams it in there. He's just like, I'm gonna make my leg. Metal and he, the skin is flaking open. It's like, oh. Yeah, then oh, he becomes no. the robot ninja. <laughs> By doing that, he, he, he now becomes, has a metal plate. <laughs> he becomes fucking steel plate man <laughs> in like three spots. Completely ruining his main arm, his drawing arm as an artist, which I thought would have some conflict now that he's been out and wounded himself and he needs that as his livelihood as an artist so he can no longer draw. But. There's no conflict at all. He just gets up and starts drawing with his left hand because apparently he was ambidextrous. Oh, he's a master craftsman. Yeah. That's what he is. I mean... Well, maybe he was left-handed to begin with. We just didn't know. Oh, there's a lot of things in this film that we probably didn't know. Strange cutaways that make no sense with the passage of time. There's um, when, he, when he first enters the, the lab of Dr. Goodnight to show him the picture of Robot Ninja. Yeah. It's open, and then it cuts away, and it rolls itself back up. <laughs> um, there's a scene where... Robot Ninja's mask is off, so he exits his house with his mask off, and then it cuts to him in his car with the mask on, which he then removes after getting into the car. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are a few oh awkward cutaways like that where you just think, maybe they didn't care. They, 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 they didn't care. Maybe they didn't care. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's a mess, but yeah. it's definitely an enjoyable mess. Yeah. Yeah, like the scene, the scene where they put the the gun to the doctor's eyeball and push it in. Oh god! And that, you just that, see that was very amusing and also disturbing at the same time. Just fucking turn him into mush head. Just, <laughs> just for now. Granted, it does the obvious cutaway where you get to see it's the prosthetic. But yeah, the rubber face. When it actually cuts back to the actual model that they make, it actually looks really good. <laughs> Like, it's one of those films where I think that the actual costume designers were really good. All, like, the actual, um, like, prop designers for all, like, the fake limbs and all that sort of stuff actually was actually really fucking good. It's just, (laughs) that's clearly where they put all of their budget in. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, prosthetics and uh, the practical effect priority. It's just the highlight of this film. I mean, there's other things, like, there's the... One comic book, um, like publisher guy who's like both the dickest and the nicest guy in a weird way is like, You better draw what I want, or when your contract's coming up, we'll be having some stern words, friend. He goes about, you know, he does things legitimately, 
but he still wants to make his money. And doesn't react at all when this one uh, comic book artist just fucking slams his hand down on this fucking desk needle that he has. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fucking uh, psychopath. Uh, he, ma- he makes a reappearance in the end as well, at the end of the movie, and he has a bandage on his right hand, which is nice. And he just keeps slapping the bandage. He does, yeah. And he's just like... Oh. Uh, dropping his pencil. It's like, oh, poor guy. I mean, this is also where the publisher also says that the main character was always a draw. (laughs) (laughs) For fuck's sake. (laughs) Yeah, there are little snippets of comedy and a few golden nuggets here and there in the writing and the interaction between the characters. But the majority of your fun time watching will either be the practical effects, which are both really good and hilarious, or just yeah. the really like poor, no effort acting that goes into this. Well, we've already mentioned the main characters. Ah, oh, shit! When he sees oh, like a shit. double homicide yeah. rape, <laughs> but then you have the yeah. you have a, <laughs> this amazing bastard at the end of the movie reading the comic. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> and it's the I believe the line delivery was so the end bit, um, like just before we move on or whatever. But oh, the yeah, end yeah. bit. The shopkeep goes, oh, it's the most graphic book, but it's not the most realistic, and it's not even that graphic. Bear in mind that this comic was drawn by the artist who was Robot Ninja as like a precognitive ability to tell what was going to happen as part of his master plan. So everything he drew is what actually happened, including the blasting of his own head off. (laughs) And he's like, it's not the most realistic gore in action in this comic. I just I just love the fact that with that one line, he contradicts himself. It's just like, like the woman's like, why is this book so popular anyway? It's like the and he's gory, like, but not very gory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, it's been, it's been dubbed the most, like, graphical, gory book in existence. But it's not so realistic, and it's not even that graphic. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> uh, n- no, what? <laughs> well, bear in mind that the, the first part, could have been the general populace opinion where the second part is his own personal opinion of the comic so it can make sense in that context but at the same time when the way it's spoken it just sounds like one continuous thought (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) jesus fucking christ and then the kids read the book at the end in which one of them goes like oh man he's so cool wish i could be like him you said that better than the kid did Oh my god, and then his fucking friend's like, oh, not me. I mean, what a terrible ending. And then it just snapshots to the fucking brains blowing out comic <laughs> yeah. panel. Yeah. To be fair, I reckon you could just watch the first ten minutes, watch the surgery scene, and then just skip to the end. Oh, and the... no, you don't want to miss <laughs> Dr. Goodnight when they barge into his place and attack him. Oh, no, yeah, I guess You don't want to miss true. that. That's, that's a, that, that, that was one of the best scenes, if you ask me. Well, it's because it's probably one of the best characters in there. Yeah, yeah, because the, <laughs> the criminals mistake Doctor Goodnight as the uh, as Robot Ninja. Because when Robot Ninja gets his arm slit and he goes to do the surgery, he goes to Doctor Goodnight's place. Oh and my he's god! In there at the time, so they can, you know, the bad guys follow him back. Classic mistaken identity type yeah. of deal. It was like that from the beginning. From the beginning, when he has that weird fight that kills the young boy after the breeze knocks him over, he's yeah. the last. Robot Ninja's the last to leave the scene as the police appear and the police look at him and he's immediately got his foot in shit. Which shows that the gangsters have fucking better car tracking skills or chase skills than the fucking local police do. And the gangsters are just like hillbillies in a black (laughs) van. 
police physically see the like right next to his car three fucking times yep. just watching him drive off yes and it's like well he got away dang better <laughs> luck next time well when the when the cop goes to dr goodnight's place after he sees robot ninja leave <laughs> <laughs> doesn't doesn't do anything robot ninja just enters the place after him sees dr goodnight like hanging by his feet like cattle from the ceiling <laughs> and he's, he's he's on the walkie-talkie to one of his uh, officers and he doesn't call it in no no he doesn't say oh we've got a body here body here blah 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 we want an apb on this guy he just so yeah. <laughs> the other guy's just saying now have your permission to go to the drunk yard and goes like yeah yeah you better go there right now <laughs> so for fuck's sake <laughs> film now <laughs> Oh my yeah. god! I, I wish there were a lot more things to talk about with the movie, as far as cinematography goes, and acting, casting, plot, writing, effects. That nah. it's it's a product of its time, and even for that time, it's a shitty movie. In the, yeah, I mean that in the most loving way possible, because everyone loves a bad movie. It's fucking. It's an enjoyable film. It really is. And with this one, I'd say that it's enjoyable if you do want to watch it on your own, but it's clearly, it's going to be a riot if you end up watching it with friends or with others. Yeah, really, but... yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, are, there are, like, small parts of product placement, and there's definitely a lot of mention of Batman and DC Comics and stuff like that, um, but it's not It's not a lot. No, it's no, not No, they, they don't take liberties. It's literally, like, just, like, a seven-up. A pizza hut or something, and a few other little references. But there's nothing that would ruin the experience of watching this movie. No, it's like if like a character's just ordering food or just getting a drink or something that kind of yeah. just makes sense. Like, it, especially if they're doing like a real world scenario where it's just like I'm going to order some food. If every cut had a product in it, that'd be an issue. Or yeah. if like some other movies we've watched where one cut has fifty bloody products in it. <laughs> From a major studio who didn't need the extra budget. Didn't need the extra budget. It doesn't make sense. But in this case, it's excusable. And it, you know, it's not really noticeable. No. Like, I I reckon they probably wouldn't have been able to get that many, like, big companies or stuff like that to even jump on board a film like this, to be honest. I reckon yeah. that the product placement that was in there was just because they had to go to that store during shooting or something like that. Oh, they didn't have a, they didn't have the, the money to make up a fake... Eight up cup or something. Pizza hat. <laughs> Pizza. Oh. oh, now I wish they did. Oh, that's well, upsetting. When you make your movie, um, you can, you can, you can have Pizza Hat. That's, that's all yours. You can have that from me. Happy birthday. Shifting gears now from a sort of satire on superheroes, we'll go to what is, in a way, satire of horror films to Kill a Sofa, which is. It's a thing. It's definitely a thing. It's a film about not a killer sofa. It's it's not. So it's lied to you already. So if you don't like watching films that lie to you, it might not be a good film. Um, but just to start off, not a sofa. They state that from the very beginning. It's a recliner or a lazy boy, whichever one you want to go wow, for. I mean, that's a brand name, lazy boy. So let, let's just say it's a recliner chair. It's a recliner. With, with a face. With not, very not even clean... a human face. Just a couple of little buttons. <laughs> it's just the the one crease on the chair and the two <laughs> buttons that make a very fucking obvious face. <laughs> yep. Oh, but this is another film that just straight from the get go just hits you with a hard curveball. 
Yeah. Just from the beginning, because it, it's just, it's not a long intro. It's not Robot Ninja. Like, the intro's actually, like, 30 seconds, where it just shows you, like, the company names, and then it goes, like, Killer Sulfur. Fairly decent intro as well. Oh, to be fair, I won't be surprised if that's what they spent most of their budget on. Because... <laughs> if these movies, and I'm not saying they have, but if they did have the same amount of effort put in, just the fact that Killer, Killer Sofa was made in 2019 compared to 1989, it shows the vast jump in just standard quality of oh, movies. Yeah. It, even though this is a, a like a comedy horror B-movie, compared to something like Robot Ninja, which it shouldn't really be compared to as a movie, but just no. comparing like the quality of the acting, the cinematography, the effects, although yeah. Killer Sofa had little to none. The few effects no, it did no, have no. were very well executed. Um, it's, yeah. it's just a big jump in like, average quality. Yeah, because I reckon like even if Killer Sofa was made in 1989, or if you jumped Robot Ninja up to 2019, I reckon you'd still sort of have that jump in quality. Yeah. Like, if you just put a bit more grain on Killer Sofa, if you sort of like dimmed the audio to be a bit more muffled, sort of make it that, you know, late 80s feel. I still yeah. reckon that it would still have the feel of a better budgeted and, in a way, way better acted film. Mm. Like, yeah. even if you bumped up Robot Ninja now and just, you know, made a clean-cut copy with slightly better audio, just with the way that film sort of paced and the way those characters act, I still reckon they'd both still be... Like, Robot Ninja would still be kind of the worst of the two in terms of production quality. Well, I, I think if you made Robot Ninja now, it would yeah. be more like something like Laser Pope. Oh, you know what? To be fair, probably. Like if they, Laser yeah. Pope, I mean, isn't out yet, if ever. But it looks insanely fun, and the trailer was super great to watch. I, I really hope. I'm stoked for it. Shout out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Go go see the Laser Pope trailer if you have not. It is fucking, it's whack, and it's great. And yeah. it's everything B-movies should stride to be. This is our intermission. <laughs> yeah. This is, go, this is... We'll, we'll be quiet for about five, ten minutes. Go watch the trailer while we, while we <laughs> sit in silence. Um, but yeah, I, I would see Robot Ninja more like Laser Pope. Forget that, 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 that there is a, like a 2K remaster that somebody did of like the trailer of uh, Robot Ninja. There needs to be a shot-for-shot shot remake. Yeah. I would, I, would go to the, I would pay cinema prices to go and watch that. Yeah, cause uh, cause again, with today, like with the way today's film mm. economy is, like remaking Robot Ninja now, like from the ground up, would probably be way more influential. The height of comic book movies. Yeah, but um, Killer Sulfur though, that's the height of uh, slasher flicks because it is sticking to its guns. It is <laughs> about a killer recliner because it opens up. With this guy strapped to a table, not in a BDSM way. No, like um, a nod to Dexter, most likely. Pretty he's much. In a, he's in what is a kill room. Yep, he's gagged, he's like taped up to that thing, and uh, there's just a guy comes in, just chops his legs off. Well, we don't know they chop his legs off, do we? We just know we thought they died. Uh, yeah. We thought, okay, we, thought we, yeah. we witnessed the beginnings of a murder here. And then it, the camera pans and zooms in and the recliners in the background watching oh. over this, what we oh, believe yeah, to be so at the time, is. a murder. Like, <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh my god. If this turned, To be fair, I would not be surprised if this would have actually done another plot twist and it turns out the recliner would have been the detective. <laughs> <laughs> 
But um, it the zooms in. The sofa king low. <laughs> oh my god! No, <laughs> no. Someone had to make it. <laughs> but it zooms in on the recliner, and then it cuts to this film's intro, which is like some sort of studio, uh, like open sort of house thing in which she's dancing to like a band but there's nobody else there like the like the cut is kind of weird like i don't really know how to explain it very well what i saw it as is there's a band playing and she's almost doing like a, an interpretive dance to the music it was it feels very artsy art it was certainly and she repeats a lot yeah. of the same actions and i found it to be very boring to watch <laughs> Good music, though. Decent music, anyway. Compared to Robot Ninjas that you'll hear in the credits, it's not very good music. (laughs) They seriously cut every cost in Robot Ninja. (laughs) They really did. (laughs) Oh, my God. So, that's sort of what's happening while the names of, like, important people and stuff are going across the screen. And then we get to be introduced to the detectives that tell us that the guy from the beginning was murdered. Yeah, and uh, Gravy th- and... Uh, Ro- Grey. B- Bob Gravy and Roseanne Grey. Gravy and Grey. Gravy and Grey. That famous duo. <laughs> G&G! Back at it again! <laughs> oh my god. But th- this is where I compare the acting to Robot Ninja a lot, in a way. Hmm. Because I feel like with Gray's character, so what they do is Detective uh, Gray is a guy, and no, sorry, no, Gravy. Gravy. Mm. Yeah, Gravy is the gravy, male baby. detective. <laughs> he didn't um, say that. He should have said that. <laughs> he should have said that. I probably would have won her over immediately. Fucking fabulous pickup lines like that. <laughs> but no, so Gravy is the male detective, and Gray is the female one. And I feel like the lead up through this film was Gravy's slow, gradual. Like falling in love with the main actress, which I believe, uh, the main woman, which I believe is called Francesca. Yeah, um, the reason he's fallen in love with her is because she is possessed by a demon worshipping witch who has the ability to just lure men naturally. Just to lure I guess, men. As part of her, as her ninja way. Now, my only problem with that is that I feel like, because we learn about all this mystical shit like halfway through or towards the end and stuff like that, but but with the way this film starts, I expected it to be sort of like a slow incline and then by the end he does fall in love with her but something happens, yada yada. But just straight off the bat, fucking Gravy's thirsty as fuck. The beginning he seemed thirsty, but then they didn't touch on it at all through the rest of the movie until the very end. So it was like, out of ten, it was like, a five of the obvious scale, and then it was like a one or a two until you see him doing the push-ups looking at a picture. Yeah. And then that's like a four or five, and then near the end, it's just straight out of there. It's like, fuck's sake. But it's barely it... touched upon. It Like, it, big yeah. bit, nothing for the remainder of the movie. Then like, no. a middle bit, then a big bit again. Um, yeah. Oh my God, but that's, that's not the main plot of the movie. It's uh, not, no. No, it's, it's surrounding the girl who has this ability to attract awkward men, because it's always the thirsty boys. And they always act a bit weird. And um, she's got a new recliner that's coming, which automatically then transitions to the movers of said recliner that are delivering yeah. the chair to a like apartment or flat. And it just it introduces the chair in this capacity by just crushing this poor girl's fingers. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> the effects were 
fairly well done on that as well. It looked like quite a deep cut. That's true. In my opinion, that might be the one of the only good pieces of actual sort of physical harm or prosthetics and stuff that actually look good. Yeah, as far as gory detail, yeah. But effects-wise, uh, I think I think later on there is a better one when the sofa stands up. The recliner, excuse me, stands up. Yeah. It looks like, looks like a Minecraft man or something. Oh my like a god, man. it does. It looks like a fucking golem <laughs> or something, yeah. So fucking... Accompanied by a hiss. <laughs> <laughs> as we do find out the recliner itself is a creeper oh my god it is that ev- everything in this fucking film is thirsty as fuck yeah everything the, the recliner's thirsty the francesca's best friend maxine or maxi i believe she's supposed to be a sort of lesbian type character who's oh, in love I with think, francine I think she clearly is yeah and um, there's one part where the main character is talking with the police and she says she has the habit of attracting weird men. And then she says, and sometimes women, then looks at her friend, who we are calling lesbian. Yeah. Like a glances, sideway glance. You're thinking, oh, okay. It's like, just okay. dang. <laughs> like, honestly, in a weird way, it's kind of refreshing that they don't bother making it subtle. Because yeah. in, like, today's society, it's it's just whatever. You be who you are. So it's not yeah. going to be something like a film that was made years ago or something where it's sort of like, oh, I'm going to dodge around the subject. Nah, Maxie, Maxie's fucking, she is thirsty for Francine. <laughs> fucking nearly everybody is. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so yeah, when they, when they first show the recliner after it's chomped this girl's fingers, not off, but very deep cut. Very um, deep cut. They they, del- they accidentally attempt to deliver the uh, recliner to the wrong address. Yeah. They try and deliver it to an antique shop owned by this old man, who we later find out is a Jewish rabbi. And the either grandfather or dad of Maxi as well. So that's how they're linked. But yeah, I believe he is. He's the grandfather of the lesbian girl who's best friends with the main character. Yeah. Um, yeah, and something about the recliner causes him to approach and touch it. And just start and in... fucking stroking out. It, yeah, he, he has a stroke. <laughs> he just fucking... Yeah, he just starts shaking violently. He just goes and then down. He's, he's just fucking on the floor. Uh, while, 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 while he's having a stroke in his near-death state, he's seeing visions from the recliner. Yeah, like of the past or something. Like yeah, just, yeah. Just this woman that's running through a forest and a couple more sort of flashing images that point to like a mob and a guy. And then he just, he wakes up on the floor. and the, oh, and the... Yeah, he gets resuscitated <laughs> on the floor. He gets resuscitated. <laughs> and then he stands up and he's like, nah, I'm fine, it's alright. <laughs> Take the chair away, please. It causes my heart to stroke, please. Uh, but this, the thing with this film is that its production value is... Definitely better than Robot Ninja. Yeah. I don't. I don't know the budgets that each of those movies had. No. Even given, even like adjusting for inflation, Robot Ninja doesn't feel like it had a lot. And if it did, it was all put into prosthetics anyway. Yeah. In practical effects, it's sort of what it's about. I'm pretty sure a lot of the actors in that movie were makeup artists. Yeah, <laughs> like some probably. Of them were. Yeah. Some of them were makeup artists and writers. They they acted as well as. But this one sort of it has the jokes of a comedy. And oh, if you such a comedy. If you click on like the IMDB page, it does say horror comedy thriller. Um, if you just search the film up, it just labels it as a horror, which is a very mistype. It is. And if people were watching this movie under the interpretation that it is a horror or a bad horror, 
they are sorely mistaken. If, yeah. if they knew before going into this movie that it was a comedy, I think it would have had a higher rating than it has now. Because it is, as a comedy, it is hilarious. Oh, it's it's it, funny for being bad. It's funny for actually being kind of good in some places. Yeah. That the first half of the movie is what you'd expect from a horror B movie. And then out of nowhere, the second half of the movie just becomes pure comedy. It just it just And a lot of it's intentional. Yeah. There's there's one scene where like she she's trying to burn this recliner and get the demon <laughs> spirit inside it into the box <laughs> which it refuses. It just keeps saying no. It's like no So she covers the chair in petrol gasoline, attempts to light a match to put the put it to the chair, and the chair just keeps blowing out the match. Like it's a cartoon or something. She, and this goes on for a few minutes. <laughs> She's just like, oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, and the way she fucking haphazardly covers that thing in gasoline. You know what? Oh, my, it goes all over her. I was just about to say. <laughs> about to hide her head. She's doing trick shots with it. <laughs> I reckon the fucking recliner's trying to protect her more than save itself. It's like, you fucking stop. <laughs> oh my god but there's there's a few there's a few deaths in this there's yeah. about i think like four, four or, or five. five in total yeah. but the problem that i have is that if i'm watching something i either want the deaths to be tasteful so like actually done really well that make you feel for the character or they go all out on like good prosthetics fill that fucking thing full of like what most horror things do with like a, a bunch of fake blood 10 gallons of red goo coming out of one gunshot wound exactly like fucking giblets coming out just meat bits whatever there's like nearly zero like there's almost none in this most of it is like it's actually quite suspenseful like it is definitely more of a suspenseful horror film than anything else (laughs) well and until you see there's there's one horror moment where the the, a spring taps on this guy's second floor window and he looks out the window and you just see the recliner scuttling. Like a crab just scuttles okay. down the street. <laughs> as suspenseful as a killer sofa can be. Sorry, recliner. <laughs> sake. I was wondering if we're ever going to see it move. And it just goes... Ratatatata. Oh, that fucking... That, that chair, halfway through this film, stops giving a shit if it's got onlookers. Yeah, it, it, at one point it's trying to be secretive and then halfway through it just doesn't care anymore. It just anymore. gives up. Because, I mean, there's the bit where the fucking perv... There's this one pervert character that we get, like, five minutes of. There's no introduction. There's not even really an ending. Well, they do mention that it's the lesbian's cousin. Oh, okay. The police question the main character about, um, about who could be committing these murders against the, you know, the girl's random stalkers. Yeah. Because um, it's obviously taken out all the other stalkers. And she circles this guy, and the lesbian's like, yeah, my cousin, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah I see it. <laughs> like, I'm not gonna lie, he is one of the fucking strongest come-ons I've ever seen. Like, he just, he just fucking straight comes up and just goes, we should, we should just do it. We Let's have great, babies. we have yeah. great DNA. We'll make some <laughs> great babies. It's like, whoa. Uh, her at the time maybe maybe not boyfriend has just died and the first thing that he decides to do is walk up to her front door and goes have you thought about our marriage yet we'll have babies we'll have babies <laughs> oh i heard about him bad wasn't it <laughs> we'll have sex <laughs> let's do it <laughs> and to be fair like a fucking it's really awkward. <laughs> for a fucking sane person she goes no <laughs> just yeah, <that's>, nah. <laughs> and like a fellow sane person, he uh, breaks into her apartment or flat oh and God. then just uh, starts fucking her clothes under a bed he, sheet. He breaks in by sticking his arm through an 
absurdly sized letterbox. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I didn't know. I don't know whether or not you noticed that. Oh, but the letterbox is huge, and there's even a normal door next to it, so you can see <laughs> a normal size letterbox. I was thinking, how the hell did he stick his hand in there? Oh my god. But yeah, he sets up secret cameras all through the building, and then Ugh. just covers himself with the bed sheet and just goes to town. Goes but... to town on some underwear. Yeah. <laughs> but but though, her current boyfriend, fucking chair husbando, <laughs> <laughs> recliner, fucking just he's not having any of this. He opens the door and does like a full minute of just watching this guy just yeah. go to town, and he's like, I can't. I can't believe this, this fucking mongrel. And he just he chair waddles up as a chair is wont to do, yeah. and just bashes his skull in with an iron. Doesn't show how he holds the iron, but yeah, he does. Oh, probably some springy shenanigans. Yeah, I just remembered as well that they, there is some comedy at the start of the movie that might slowly ease you into it. And um, when they have the weird scene where the the woman's laying on the recliner. And it's a very long-winded scene of her being very, very happy and relaxed. Oh my god, are you talking about the sexual chair-shin? Yeah. <laughs> the, <laughs> next, the next day, she wakes up to find that, we find out, the recliner <laughs> has set a trail of candles and made breakfast for her. <laughs> <laughs> so he's just, he's just sitting there with a, with a plate of like cookies and snacks on each arm. Oh my god. it's yeah. it, it... That opens up the... The comedy part there. <laughs> I, I forgot about that. To be fair, I think it also sets you up quite early on as well, just with the fact that the um, old antique like rabbi dude or whatever yeah. gets all of his information about the Dibbuk, which is the <laughs> name of the spirit, Yeah, yeah. F- from fucking Dark Freddy's blog. On YouTube, there's a subscribe now button floating <laughs> next to him. <laughs> fucking Dark Freddy's blog. Oh, Freddy. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's, it's great as a comedy. As a comedy, it really works, I think. Uh, you know what? To be fair, I think if you did think of it as just a pure comedy film, well, uh, I guess like a thriller comedy or whatever, yeah, yeah, yeah. it should definitely be rated higher. But I do think the fact that even though it is very funny, just hmm. the fact that it takes sort of like its quote unquote plot way too seriously in a way. It does. Yeah, it really does. Like it is making up so many like loopholes and just background stuff. Like we need that like there's a demon spirit that's come from a guy that's wanting to like get back his lost love or take revenge or something. But then hmm. since the film doesn't actually have anyone for the soul called Spirit to Take Revenge on, we now need the main female to be related to, like, an ancestral occult witch, which turns out to be the spirit's wife or girlfriend or whatever. And then, as you go along, you think it might just be the one, like, spirit, but towards the end, it's like a a whole dumpster fire, because it's, it's... Oh, we find out that the corpse of the first guy is in the chair. The way they introduced that was great though the way they pieced it together because we only ever saw his legs on those pictures which oh yeah this guy's been murdered we all we could find of him with his legs that's true they track down the murderer quote unquote and he explains to the police that no he was just hired to chop the guy's legs off yeah and the police are you know while while they're saying this it's cutting through to other scenes of like stuff happening with the recliner and then the police ask him you know why would you do this and i was like well believe it or not i think he was trying to fit in the recliner (laughs) 
And the police are like, oh, shit. Oh, fuck! <laughs> I know a recliner that fits that description! Where people have been mysteriously dying, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so the cop just blasts it. He busts through the door, blasts the sofa slash recliner. The recliner falls apart. The front face of the recliner falls apart. And you just see some dude in it with no face. For so- don't know why his face is missing. I'm not going to lie, right? I couldn't help but think that that was a garbage scene just because how thick that guy's body was and how flimsy <laughs> that face flew off. Yeah, it, it just it just fell off. There was no back to the chair for some reason. It just fell off forward and there was no... I was, I was just... I was like, when I saw that, I'm like, there is no fucking way you sit on that recliner and don't feel a human body. I don't give no, a fuck. No, there's no way you don't smell that body. <laughs> there's no way you don't smell it. Uh, maybe she was just too busy touching it up to care, to be honest. But yeah, the film would have been brilliant if it ended there. Like, it wasn't all this supernatural, whack, weird, waboo shit. Yeah. Instead, it was literally just one of her pervy admirers who chopped his legs off to fit into a chair and then sent himself to her home. <laughs> it would have been perfect. That would have been fucking great. But then another 20 minutes. Yeah. It was on the movie. So it ends up actually being evil spirit shenanigans. Evil spirits. Because they quote unquote defeat the chair. But no, because there's obviously two evil spirits. And one is of the waifu that died with the husbando who took over the chair. And then while Francesca or whatever her name is, it's like popping fucking pills in her bathroom. She fucking gets grabbed by the girl from the fucking ring and gets the gets the fucking absorbed into her. Well, the, the way I saw that was, once the chair was defeated, because the corpse was the corpse yeah. inside was double murdered, I guess, was re-murdered. Yeah. <laughs> re-murdered. Um, it, it, it does cut and mention that the Dubuc, or Dubuc or whatever it's called, can store spirits into yeah. objects. So the, the main dude has died, but he stored his spirit and all the spirits he took to make himself stronger inside the chair. The yeah. the girlfriend, the evil demon girlfriend, who's possessing the main character, catches the main character and manages to take over the body. Yep. And then she murders the cop. Yep. <laughs> who was already in love with her and chooses her charms and murders him, poisons him, whatever, with Oleander, whatever it was. Then the spirits stored inside the recliner get transferred to him. So he is revived as the man, as the normal man, as her counterpart. Yep. And then they snap Grey's neck, and <laughs> that's that's game. GG. That's it. Well, to be fair, Maxie does come back from out of the bin. Oh yeah, out of the bin. <laughs> and no one cares. She has a giant shard of glass hanging out of her skull. <laughs> no, You're right. Yeah, I'm fine. Thanks. Yeah, I'm fine. You know, I mean, who hasn't had glass embedded in their head at some point? It's a casual True. Saturday night thing, though. And she was just passed out in that bin for what must have been days. <laughs> fucking seven years. <laughs> then at the end, she's like, oh my god. They're not acting like they should be. I'm going to sneak into her house. And then the film ends on what might be the best worst note of her staring right into the chair's lovely button eye and seeing Francesca, just like the film Get Out, just yeah. falling into the yeah. black void. And then the film's done, that's, I guess. That's, that's the movie. That is... That is Killer Sofa Recliner. It is literally just a... The plot is a mess. The plot... Didn't know it knew what it wanted to be for the first thirty minutes. It got amnesia halfway through, and then it just decided to just say fuck it and just do whatever it wanted. 
Yeah, there, there were some comedy elements at the beginning, but from the halfway point of the movie, it just goes wild. And I think the movie is better for it because it shouldn't take the plot seriously and should no. have ended once they killed the pervert in the chair. I, I reckon so. Like that, yeah. that felt like an ending because it even did a pause. Like it had a running away, but it paused a little too long on the detectives. That made you think it was going to cut to like a title card or an end card. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it's it's way more enjoyable than Robot Ninja. I still think the acting is comparable between them both. I think, honestly, the acting is still garbage in both the films. Yeah. But you can definitely tell, production value-wise, Killer Sofa is way better off than Robot Ninja was. I just wish that it adapted more of an actual gory element, especially since they weren't even hiding the killer. True. Like, halfway through the film, when the when the killer just starts to just fucking waddle around and not give a <laughs> shit anymore, I reckon they could have gone balls to the walls with, like, really creative kills. Like, you could have had, like, a reverse recliner kill in which someone just gets squished in between, oh. like, the recliner or something. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, all we got was some guy's head cracked like an egg, and we didn't even get to see it. We didn't even get to see that. We just got a cut of an egg being cracked. That's it. And, it, and it's just... I feel like this film could have actually been one of those like really good B-movies. like Not even in a bad way, just like something yeah. that is actually quite enjoyable if they just decided to know what plot they wanted to do. Yeah, yeah. yeah Killer Sofa seemed like there's a lot... Try- they were trying to do a lot with a little. Yeah. And it, sh- they sh- it would have been just much better as a comedy. Like the- well, what- How much can you make about a killer recliner chair? Yeah. I think they knew what they were making. I think the title Killer Sofa is a joke. Because they reckon. state in the first few minutes of the story that it is a recliner. And that's not some weird Kiwi term for a, a recliner, a sofa. So I don't understand why it was called that, except as a joke. I, I don't think they took themselves seriously, yet the amount of effort they put into the plot and the characters makes me feel like they did care. And yeah. I think they tried too hard. They tried too hard. Yeah. But with Robot Ninja, which is strange... Robot Ninja seemed to have a message or two hidden within it. Like commentaries on real life things at the time. That's still kind of relevant today. Yeah. But the the effort for everything else isn't there. And they tried real hard on the practical effects and succeeded there. So I would have liked to see if they had re- you know tried really hard on the characters and the plot. What would have happened? Because that could actually be a really fun and enjoyable modern movie by yeah. today's standards. If it wasn't made trashly. <laughs> if it wasn't made yeah. poorly. Like, um... Like, uh, other films like Kick-Ass and, um, I can't remember the name of this other one, but it's something like Superhero or just something blank like that. Mm. But films like that do what Robot Ninja does, but better, in a way. Yeah. Well, Robot Ninja, I think, is ahead of its time for 1989. Oh, yeah. Like, that's, like, being a film about, like, vigilantism and even sort of making a film all around more about the comic book industry in a way, rather than just a superhero adaptation. Mm. It could have actually been really well. Like, this is why these two films are so weird, in a way. Because they juxtapose each other. But at the same time, I reckon if both of the elements from both films were combined, you'd have an excellent film on your hands. Robot Ninja Killer Sofa? Robot Ninja Killer Sofa? Robot Sofa Killer Ninja? Oh my god, when's the crossover happening? Oh my god, the spirit of 
robot ninja can possess a robot ninja animatronic that's made in the future and the killer sofa spirit can just go back into a new recliner and they could just face off that's it it has to happen so final thoughts i I think these two movies are completely different styles of b-movie completely different um where most b-movies tend to be tend to be sort of horrors very cheap like teen thrillers um sort of like how killer sofa i think in a way, was parodying it, I think. Um, Robot Ninja, I, I could see as a cult movie. That's, yeah. That, to me, has similar tones to something like Repo or um, one of the, the, the horror stage show movies. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, where it tries to build this dark world and is a product of its time, but in a way, it's so good. Yeah. In the way, it's bad. Yeah. Not like a B-movie that's fun to laugh at because it's so shit. This is good in a way, like Equilibrium. Not a lot of people like that, but I think as a brilliant world it's an amazing story amazing world decent gunplay but it's just a bad movie it's just a really bad movie all uh, right okay so i could see it having a cult following because yeah. it's got good ideas but poor execution where killer sofa is just <laughs> it's, poor. it's just poor yeah yeah good comedy writing that i i enjoyed i enjoyed the cutaways and the, the camera work was well done in but yeah if i were to give them a rating independent of one another Purely on how I felt upon first watch, and not based on any of the other conversation, that, like the maybes and the commentaries, I'd say Robot Ninja probably gets like maybe a 2 out of 10. Actually, it's a B-movie. It gets a negative 2 out of negative 10. Wow, yeah. <laughs> um, and Killer Sofa, maybe maybe a negative 1 out of negative 10, because it'll be slightly better. It'll be approaching almost a real movie. Oh, no. Oh no, you've created, you've created <laughs> a scale that's too complex for even my poor, poor mind to take. But yeah, what, what would you rate them at? So, I do think that there is more of a hidden gem in Robot Ninja. So, yeah. But based on what it is, I'd probably give it like a negative 5 out of a negative 10. But honestly, I'd actually give Killer Sulfur probably like a 0 out of a negative 10. Just because that Ooh. I... Let's pretend Zero doesn't exist. Alright, okay. So... Let's pretend Zero doesn't exist, because there's no movie that is not a B-movie, oh, and also yeah. not a normal movie. Okay, so I'd probably say, yeah, a negative one out of a negative ten, then. Yeah. Just because, if you think about it from a pure comedy perspective, it is actually kind of a good film. Yeah, I I enjoyed it more than Robot Ninja, but I respect Robot Ninja more. I... I agree with the same points like it's just both of these films could have been so much better if they just sort of met each other and took aspects from both yeah they're, they're both missing components that each of the other possesses in great quantity yeah so those are two of the b movies that we've watched this week uh robot ninja and killer sofa both from two completely different basically like errors and honestly, they're both still really enjoyable. It's just they're B-movies, so they're bound to be shit a majority of the time. If you have seen these films, or if this has sort of inspired you to watch them, feel free to leave whichever film you enjoyed the most, or what you believe could have made the films better. Or did you enjoy the comedy in Killer Sulfur, or did you enjoy what comedy there was in Robot Ninja? Also leave any comments of any terrible... B-movies or any good B-movies that you've seen, because I'm sure that there's lots out there that we haven't seen that we'd love to watch. Next week, we'll be talking about webtoons. Uh, We've got four lined up, but we won't reveal them just yet. We'll be discussing the series and how well they may hold up to the modern anime treatment. Yeah, uh, look forward to seeing you all next week. Yep, see you then. Whoop whoop! whoop.